everybody. Welcome to the Cubs Weekly Podcast. I'm Andy Martinez, joined by Tony Andraki. As a reminder, we're presented by Wintrust, proud legacy partner of the Chicago Cubs, an exclusive home of Cubs checking. Open online today at wintrust.com slash Cubs Weekly. And as a reminder, we're available on all podcast platforms, so be sure to rate and subscribe. Tony, we got a special edition of the podcast this week. We banked a lot of interviews with a lot of former ex-Cubs alumni at Cubs Convention, and our first one's Mike Fontenot. Mm-hmm. So you did this interview. I want to know, what was it like? What was it like catching up with Mike Fontenot? Yeah, I thought it was really cool. Um, I had never I'd never covered him, so yeah. like I actually met him the night before. Uh, we did this at the Media Social, and he was super nice. He was gracious with his time, and um, I just think it's really cool that was my first interview of the day that yeah. we did of these. We, like you said, we have several more coming out. But I thought it was really cool because the setup we had, we were right by a bunch of fans. And then even seeing him kind of walk over, a bunch of fans were recognizing him um, just who, you know, in normal street clothes. And uh, he just, he looks vastly different from who he was as a player. Uh, obviously, he's not the biggest guy, right. uh, but he looks very like a, much like a regular person. I think that's what stood out to me the most too from this interview is he seems so much like a regular person and he even you know you'll hear it in a bit he talked about what he's doing now he's like a project manager and he doesn't really talk about his baseball career much and it was just funny to think and talk to him and hear about this guy who's a former baseball player who played with the cubs it was part of some big moments on some huge yeah. teams you know 2007 and 08 in cubs history talk about life after and just being like a nine to five type of guy and being a dad and all of that kind of stuff, it was uh, it was kind of cool just to hear that. I think that stood out to me a lot too. It's almost like he's just one of us nowadays, right? Yeah, he's just like is, a normal yeah. guy. That's kind of the fascinating thing is hearing some of these alumni, what they're up to now. You obviously can't compete at the highest level forever, so you've got to find something else to see him do that. That's pretty. That's got to be really cool to see and, and for fans to see, like, hey, hey he kind of looks like, just like a, a normal guy to, like, like us. Yeah, and you know, like a lot of Cubs fans, he has – some Cubs memorabilia mm-hmm. in his office of his nine to five that he's working now. And so one of the, the questions that I asked him was about being on first base for a Ramos Ramirez walk-off in the, what was it? June of 07. Okay. And uh, it was like Cubs came from behind. It was a big game. A Ramos's walk-off, you know, is a, is a pretty famous play there. And Fontenot was like, actually that picture, that moment is hanging in my office. Like the celebration of it, because it was one of his best memories from his Cubs career and stuff too. So I just thought that was really cool to, to hear from him about that aspect. And it's just a lot of fun to catch up with these guys and yeah. see what they've been doing. And like we said, there's such a huge part of, of Cubs history, of Cubs lore, to to catch up with them, to see what they've been doing is a, is a great opportunity. And then, you know, you get 15, 20 minutes with one of these Cubs alumni and like, what was it like then? What was it like during this? What was it like playing for Dusty Baker? What was this memory like? All of these things, you know, or are, are, sorry, Lou Pinella, not Dusty Baker, but like, what are these things like? It's just, it's awesome to hear these kind of stories because nostalgia is so powerful. And then like, as Fontenot was talking about it, there were some times where I was just like, like almost eyes glazed over. And I was thinking back to 07, 08, and I'm in college and I'm watching a lot of Cubs games and like, yeah. remember like the runs that he was going on. And I had to like, bring myself back and like be like oh yeah yeah i'm doing an interview i right, gotta get my right, next question right, ready right. because it was just it's engaging to, to hear from them um so yeah i think it was a great interview well and that's that's the the beauty of these interviews they're 15 20 minutes but they feel like they're two three minutes they just go by so fast yeah. let's not give away for any more of this or else yes. people aren't going to want to listen to the rest of it let's let's listen to more from mike Fontenot. we're here with mike Fontenot now and mike first off Cubs convention. It's been a few years since we've had this. What's it like interacting with fans again, but also seeing a lot of guys that you used to play with? 
Oh, I look forward to this every year. So I'm glad, you know, that they're having the convention again since COVID. Uh, I know the last time I was in Chicago, I think, was at that time in 2020. Um, so this is a time that, you know, we get to come here and see all of the old farts that are running around and get a chance to catch up and do dinners and things like that. And at the same time, uh, get to meet some of the new ballplayers. When you meet some of the new ballplayers, what are some of the questions you ask or what are some of the topics that you talk about? Do you give them any advice just about playing in this market or playing at Wrigley Field at all? I try to get advice from them. Okay. Because these guys are pretty good. Uh, you know, we've had a lot of good guys that's come through here, you know, old, young, what have you. Uh, I just love bringing, like, my kids here and having them have a chance to, you know, meet some of their, I guess you could say, heroes because that's, you know, who they keep in track of uh, nowadays. Um, and then I have to tell them, like, hey, you know, all those guys you actually hung out with, you know, and we had dinner with, you know, they were big leaguers too back in the day uh, and were really good back then. But um, they, you know, like my kids love watching, you know, baseball and uh, they really, you know, look forward to this because they get a chance to see all the new players. How many kids do you have? Because I saw two. your son working on his slide last night in the, oh, yeah. in the felt room there. Oh, yeah. I have, I have two. So, uh, and, you know, he was around when, you know, my last couple of years playing. Uh, and it was one of those deals to where he, I couldn't leave the ballpark until, you know, great parenting, 1030 at night. <laughs> yeah. He's running bases and in the cage. This is, that's what he wanted to do. Um, so, you know, he loves coming to this kind of stuff. Do you think he realizes the full magnitude of, like, his father is a big league player for, like, the Cubs, one of the most historic franchises in, in the country as well? I don't know. I've never really asked him that question. Okay. But, uh, you know, he's pretty lucky to get a chance to go over to Wrigley and, you know, make a phone call to, you know, see the new clubhouse and things like that. Um, so I don't know if he does or not. So tell us a little bit, what have you kind of been up to since you stopped playing? Uh, is it mostly family life and dad life for you, or what else have you been up to? A little bit of everything, man. I feel like all we do is run carpool every day. Okay. You know, running, you know, kids to gymnastics or baseball or basketball, whatever it is. Uh, you know, we're always running the roads, doing that kind of stuff. But at the same time, you know, I've got a, a real job now. So, you know, I work in uh, project management with, uh, with a construction company. So, you know, my days are filled with, you know, little work just to keep my mind busy and you know when I get home it's it's all kid and family stuff how often in your real job quote-unquote do you talk about your your like baseball playing past or ha like does it come up a lot do people ask you about that because like if I work with somebody like that I mean I'd be asking them all the time I try to stay incognito okay if, if, if all possible and it's a little bit easier being away from Chicago to do that you know but um, you know ooh, that Sun came out it does it? yeah uh, but I use it if it helps me, you know, maybe get a subcontract on site to finish, okay. you know, whatever we got to do. You know, if I know certain, you know, some of those people do know that I played in the past, you know, and but they're all real respectful of everything. And I do have a Cubs picture in my office, so I had to put some of that stuff up. All right. So a little bit about your Cubs career, you know, if we'll go rewind here a bit. So you were part of the Sammy Sosa trade. I think that's something that fans maybe forget about or maybe a lot of fans didn't know. What was that like for you to obviously come to the Cubs franchise, but be a part of a, a trade for a guy like Sammy Sosa? Was there any added pressure? Like, what was that like initially, even when that happened, and then in the years that followed? Well, I enjoyed it. I mean, for one reason, I knew people that were already in the organization. You know, you speak of Ryan Terrio, I played with him in college. So the minute I heard that I was getting traded over here, you know, that was something that I looked forward to. I mean, obviously the Cubs was, you know, bigger market than you know being in Baltimore where I was uh, you know very historic um, 
And then, like you said, you know, getting a, to come over for, you know, Sammy Sosa trade, where we just watched this guy and Mark McGuire go at it for years, hitting yeah. 60 homers every year, you know. And I tell people all the time that it was me for Sammy Sosa straight up, you know. <laughs> There was no other people involved in that trade. No Jerry Harrison. No at Jerry all, yeah. Harrison or Dave yeah. Crothers. But um, <laughs> you know, I really enjoyed it. I'm so glad and fortunate that that trade happened because I had a chance to come here and play here for parts of like six years, um, and now I get to come back to this thing every year. So yeah, very grateful for that. When you first got called up to Wrigley Field in uh, it was '05, I think, right? Yes. What was that like? Like, what was it? What were the emotions for you? And then, as we're talking about, obviously the historic franchise in the ballpark. Like, what is it like? to have your first game or at Wrigley Field, you know, and just to experience that as a young kid and be like, wow, I made it at one of these amazing ballparks. You know? Yeah, well, I was nervous, you yeah. know. I remember, I think I got to the ballpark uh, late, actually, just because my flight was delayed or it was something. I got to the ballpark, walked in. It was like second inning already, and I got, like, Woody, Kerry Woods in the clubhouse, they're doing whatever, and he starts yelling at me, hey, get dressed, blah, blah, blah. You may need a pinch run. Granted, no, I wasn't going to because it was like the third inning. So, you know, I learned pretty quickly that normally, you know, if I'm going to go in the ball, ball game as a utility guy, you know, usually it's a little bit later in the ball game. But, you know, I just remember those guys getting on me about that. So I threw on my clothes, went out to the dugout. Hey, go over and tell Dusty Hay because Dusty Baker was our manager at the time. Hey, I made it, you know. You know. I was in spring training, so I, I knew him. But I remember my first walk up the old steps and, you know, my first – peak at Wrigley was uh, seeing no more Garcia Parra over at shortstop and then the, the background with the ivy and everything uh, or actually there's no ivy because it's early in the season um, that was pretty special I always remember that what so 07 you know you went back down for a little bit you came up in 07 June you really got hot in 07 like what was kind of behind that and what led to that success for you right when you got called up there I remember, like, when I got called up in 05, I had a few at-bats. I didn't have a whole lot of playing time or anything, but I was up for maybe a month that year. And I remember putting more pressure on myself to, like, oh, it's your first hit, you know, that type of thing. Um, in 07, when I got a chance to call up, you know, I just told myself, you know, I'm just going to do like I've been doing in AAA. Because I was, I was, 06, I had a good season in AAA. In 07, I was having a really good year. Um, and I was actually, my first hit was off of, in New York, the Mets, and it was actually a guy I faced like the week before, a Latin guy. I, I forget his name. Yeah, I just okay. had faced him, and he hadn't got called up also. So I just told myself, you know, we're gonna, I'm going to stay with my same approach, and you know, I'm going to try to drive the ball the other way. Uh, I just felt like I took that pressure off myself, and, you know, it worked. You know, I got a hit. You know, Lewin started me, you know, right in the next day. You know, I think I went in, you know, halfway through the game, played some defense. Uh, and at that point, I just told myself, don't look up in the upper deck, you know, because everything else is going to stay the same. So in that June of 07, you guys had a pretty epic comeback. Uh, I think you guys were down 5 nothing, and then Aramis Ramirez hit the walk-off homer. You were actually on first base for that homer. I don't know how much of this do you remember. And, and well, it I remember it very well because, you know, that picture I told you I have in my office? Okay. It was actually a picture of uh, that scenario happening. And I remember I came around, so I'm in the – we're jumping up and down at home plate. And the picture is Aramis jumping up to high-five Cliff Floyd and uh, I think it was Soriano, and they're, like, all midair doing high-five, you know, and I was just – I just scored. Um, so that, that's funny you say that because that's the exact picture that I have in my office. That's pretty incredible. Like, what, all right, so what was that moment like, being on base for that, but then also, like, how 
How insane was Wrigley Field in that moment? Oh, it was crazy, man. That was, uh, you know, that's why you play the game a lot for moments like that. That just makes it, you know, all worthwhile. I mean, there's a lot of perks and it's fun either way. But, you know, when you get to go through a moment like that, it, it's awesome. So speaking of 07 and obviously 08, you were a big part of, like, very, very good teams here. Can you just describe, too, like, what it was like coming to work just, we talked about the Wrigley Field aspect, but just this fan base, this passionate fan base, knowing that the team was so good. In 08, you guys you know, had the best record going into the playoffs and were like World Series favorites by a lot of people. What was it like coming to work every day and the, the belief and confidence you guys had in the clubhouse with those teams? I mean, those were great years, man. We, like you said, there's, you know, the fan base is great, no matter, even when, you know, they had terrible years usually. It's like you could go anywhere in the city and if you play for the Cubs, I mean, man, they take care of you. You could be the you know, on the 40-man roster, just got caught up in September. You're the 27th guy or whatever, and it's uh, they take care of you. So this is, you know, great place to be, according to the fans. And, you know, those couple of years, we definitely had uh, great teams. We had, you know, great guys on the team. Uh, we had so much fun. You know, when you have guys like DeRosa, and, I mean, I can name, you know, all the guys, but uh, it just makes it so much fun. And then it carries over to the field as well, you know, uh, you know, we wanted to play for each other. We had great ball players. Everybody's putting up numbers, and at the same time, we're winning games. You know, uh, and I specifically remember '08 when I think we won 90 some games that year. Yeah. And like you said, we, you know, we had very aspirations to going, you know, to the World Series that year. And of course, we got both playoff experiences I had with the Cubs. You know, we got swept. So, uh, and it was against the Dodgers that year. You know, yeah. when Manny Ramirez is one foot hitting balls off the ground, you know, out of the park. So uh, it just didn't work out. But, I mean, we came to the field every day almost knowing or really thinking we were going to win every game. I'm sure this is probably obvious, but can you explain what it's like from a player's perspective, the disappointment maybe of being the best team in baseball and then not living up to those expectations in the playoffs? Because obviously fans here, you know, that's part of the 108-year championship drought they, they had their own disappointments but it's, I'm curious to hear from like a player's perspective what it was like to kind of go through that year 08 in specific I mean it, it stinks right I mean you know like I said we go to the ballpark every day knowing we're going to win the majority of those games uh, and then you know you get to the spot where you want to be and you just got to win games and it doesn't happen it's 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 disappointing you know uh I mean, as a player, it's like you kind of just regroup and then, you know, you try to you know, take a little time off and then start get preparing for the next year. But, you know, you kind of put that on your in the back burner and maybe try to wear it like a chip on your shoulder, you know, for the next year just to, you know, make sure that you can, you know, strive to get back to that point and do it all over again. One of the guys you played with during those teams, Ryan Terrio, you obviously had a long-standing relationship with him from playing in college to then playing in the big leagues as well. What, what kind of special bond is that? Obviously, very, very few guys get that kind of opportunity, but what was it like playing with Ryan Terrio? It was fun. I mean, like you said, we had a history. We played against each other in high school. I mean, uh, played with each other in college, as everyone knows. Um, it made it easy to come up here and be comfortable because mm -hmm. there's already a guy because he was here he made the team out of spring training in 07 so when I got called up you know granted I've been here since 05 and you know knew a lot of the guys but still you have that comfort zone or whatever you want to call it you know when you get here to where you know it's just like in the past it's like you're playing in college and you know you don't put any added pressure on yourself so uh, we still keep in touch I should tell you people are asking me about it I talked to him last week so uh, you know kids in high schools he's doing great uh, but it, stuff like that definitely helps you know, when you have people that you know like that, that you have bonds with. 
Does it help too, I think, to break the ice to have a celebration like you and Carlos Sembrano had in the dugout? <laughs> That's uh, those were good times. We actually did it. We came to we did like a softball event. This is probably I don't know five years ago, and we came to a game at Wrigley, and uh, Z's the one. He's like, Fano, come here. You know, he he still he still loves to do that. You know, but uh, man, that's what made it fun in the in the in the dugout before games. You know, us just you know messing around uh, keeps things light. You know, yeah. You know, you, you go out and have a good time. Yeah, we're still playing baseball, right? You know, they got all the lights and everything going on, but you know, it's still a game. We're still having fun. So uh, little handshakes like that always help. All right, so whose idea was that? Because, I mean, I think there's a part where he, like, kind of, like, hammers you into the ground. That and then was you, like, all jump him. on his back. Yeah, and, I, don't, like... I don't know where that came from. Okay. You know, I was, you know, he called me over whenever that started. And, uh, you know, you'd have to ask Zimbrano that. I don't know where the whole hammer thing came from. You were just happy to be there. Yeah, I was just happy to be a part of it. And then, you know, he's the bull or whatever, so he <laughs> yeah. had me ride the bull. So that's why I jumped on his back. So. <laughs> That was good times. That's incredible. Uh, and so obviously the manager of that time, Lou Pinella, he's this, you know, really kind of infamous figure in Cubs history in a lot of different ways, or, or very famous figure, just because he was, had such a personality. I mean, sweet Lou, and everybody knows the reaction from when he gets kicked out, kicks a bag, all that kind of stuff. <laughs> what was it like playing for him? And do you have any great Lou Pinella stories? Because, like, we heard one where he thought the bullpen, your guys' bullpen catcher was you, and he said, hey, yeah. congrats, good game to the yeah. guy. Did you, have you heard that one before? Oh, yeah. I was, that was probably one of the stories I was going to tell. But, you know, uh, Lou was great. You know, he's the one that gave me the opportunity, really, to go out there and play. You know, I had a couple years where I, you know, opened the season where I was starting. Uh, you know, he was fun to be around. You know, our whole staff was fun. You know, and, of course, you can watch bat. Uh, you know, all the, you know, teams he's coached in the past with the Mariners. He had a gr bunch of great players. Uh, so, you know, he was really a good good guy to be around. And, yes, there was a story. I think I got – I went five for five. And, uh, you know, I was in the – coming out of the shower, I was in there or whatever, combing my hair or whatever. And then our bullpen coacher was in there as well. And he had walked by. And went right up to the bullpen catcher and said, hey, son, uh, great game tonight, man. You you know, had a great game, five hits, wow. And uh, somebody came back and told me, like, hey, fine. Uh, Lou just told, you know, Corey, the bullpen catcher, good job. And they were laughing about it. So, you know, that's him in a, in a nutshell. You know, sometimes he'd be like, hey, get that kid over there. Uh, what's his name? Yeah, get him to go pinch hit. You know, uh, so he was a character in himself. So is it something like, have you seen Rookie of the Year, that movie? Yes. Where, like, the guy couldn't get Rowan Gardner's name right? Yes. Was it something like that he with had, Luke He Nella? had those tendencies for sure, okay. definitely. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you mentioned, yeah, obviously, Ryan Terrio, Carlos Zambrano, but you also mentioned Omar Garcia-Paro when you were coming up. I mean, who are some of the players that stick out to you that you remember, obviously, playing with or made a big impact on you or were favorite teammates for any number of reasons? Well, obviously, you know, Hall of Fame type guys, you can remember like a Greg Maddox, you know, uh, Greg Maddox is on this, and Garcia Parra, and obviously Derek Lee, I've had a good relationship, because I played with him for multiple, well really my whole Cubs career in the big leagues was, Derek Lee was my first baseman, uh, and still keep in contact with him, you know, if they're ever in New Orleans, they usually holler at us and we go, you know, hang out, uh, and he had a big impact on my career, along with, you know, you know, like a Greg Maddox and guys like that, that were around, you know, so, uh, I mean, there's there's the Hall of Famers that are still around. You know, I played for uh, Ryan Sandberg in AAA yeah. after I left here, and I was with the Phillies. Um, played for him before he got the big league job, you know, for like a, two weeks. But, you know, I knew him just from being in spring training and things like that. So, 
it's really a long-standing deal with all these Hall of Fame guys, man. It's it's awesome place to be. You mentioned Derek Lee. We've heard from a lot of people. Ryan Dempster was on the podcast a few weeks ago, and he talked about you know just Derek Lee was one of his favorite teammates, favorite people. What was it about Lee that made him so impactful? And then also, you know, when you did come up in 05 and had a little bit of a cup of coffee, what was it like watching that miraculous season that you had firsthand? That was great. I mean, he was such a good dude, you know, for sure. Uh, and then, I mean, the dude was like 6'7", right? Yeah. So he's got that aura about him. Just And then knowing if you're going to have to go play third because Aramis is hurt or something, I could just throw it anywhere and the dude's going to catch it. So, you know, that had a, you know, he helped me out tons you know just when it comes from that aspect of baseball wise but you know you got guys like him and DeRosa uh, that were always around you know like a Cliff Floyd was another guy that when I came up that was you know you know he'd be hard on you but not not too much I mean he'd mess around with you but those were guys that would give you pointers and uh, you know kept your job easy you know when you came to the field every day. Where were you when the Cubs won it all in 16, and how much did you pay attention to that playoff run, being a former Cubs player, obviously? Well, I was back in, you know, Louisiana, uh, but I actually came to Chicago that year just for, like, a, a weekend and brought my son and, you know, came to a couple of games, just went around the city. Uh, so, you know, that made it cool just because, actually, that was, like, one of the times I actually came up and watched some games from almost like from a fan's perspective and mm -hmm. just sat in the stands or whatever. That was like the first time I've ever done that before. And it just happened to be the year that they won it. So they great baseball to go watch, obviously. Uh, but I just, you know, yeah, I followed them, watched them, rooted for them, uh, just on my couch, really, you know, in, back in Louisiana. Did you have any emotions when the team won it all? Because obviously, like we said, it's 07, 08, you guys had all these expectations. I'm sure hope you guys were hoping you were the team that was going to end this championship drought. Was there any level of emotion seeing the team do it and seeing the guys celebrate? I was just very happy because, you know, I feel like I was part of the family, Cubs, you know, family, you know, got to, getting a chance to play here for so many years. Uh, so I was just very happy. And obviously, you know, we wanted to be the team to break the curse uh, back in 07 and 08 uh, and get a chance to do that. But, you know, I think all of us as former players were just so happy to see the city, you know, win a championship and especially the Cubs organization. Uh, so I was – I was just, my emotion was just, I was very happy for the team, just knowing that I, at one point, did play for that organization. You mentioned coming up here as a fan then in that year. What was that experience like as your first experience, seeing a very different view of the ballpark? And, like, have you been back even since, or do you have plans to come in the future and, and have that fan type of aspect? Well, that's when I feel like I missed the game, right? So it's like, you know, we're at home just doing our normal day-to-day -day whatever you know, every once in a while, you know, we'll put a ball game on just, just to have it on in the background or something. Uh, but when you come to a game like that and you get to, you know, you know, maybe you know, get here a little early and go in the clubhouse and do those types of things, uh, that's when you kind of miss the game is when you get around the guys. Because, you know, a lot of guys will say, you know, that's, that's one thing that you really miss about the game is just, you know, the players seeing and hanging out and all the, you know, behind-the-scenes stuff. But at the same time, you know, we all loved playing baseball, so – you know, when you get to come to a game, you know, and, and see it from that perspective, it's like, wow. I'm almost like, wow, I, I did that, right? And it's, it's crazy to see it just sitting in the stands looking around, you know, uh, what we actually did back then. Well, Mike, we thank you so much for stopping by the Cubs Weekly Podcast, sharing stories, and uh, just hanging out with us for a little bit. So we really appreciate it. I love it. Thanks for having me. No problem. Get your Wintrust exclusive debit card. Get your Cubs card. Ooh, I'll take one. How much? Actually, they pay you $300.
You heard right. Get a $300 bonus when you open a Cubs checking account with Wintrust. Enjoy all perks and purchase with pride every time with your Wintrust Cubs debit card. $300? What? $300? Get your exclusive card at Wintrust.com slash Cubs. Only $100 required to open. No monthly minimum balance and no monthly maintenance fees. Member FDIC and equal housing lender. Welcome back to the Cubs Weekly Podcast. That was great stuff from Mike Fontenot. Great conversation to catch up with him. Tony, what was your biggest takeaways from, ta- from talking to him? Yeah, I think a lot of it was just on 07 and 08 and thinking mm-hmm. back to those memories and that time. He first came up for really an extended period in 2007, and he was on fire in June of yeah. 07. He was like one of the best hitters in baseball at that time. Uh, and then, yeah, I mean, he just became this guy that was like the nickname Little Babe Ruth for a little <laughs> while, like, and he was hitting homers out and, and stuff. Um, but, yeah, I think it was just – it was cool to, to catch up with that, to hear. Yeah. Also, like, when I was talking to him and thinking back, I mean, Lou Pinello was the manager, but there were so many impactful players on those teams, like yep. Derek Lee and Ramos Ramirez, and he played with Ryan Terrio in college and then playing with him in the big leagues and Ryan Dempster. And, like, there were just so many names and personalities and, and people who were a part of those teams. You know, Kerry Wood came back and was a reliever and a closer and stuff mm-hmm. at that time. And, like – uh, John Lieber was a, was a reliever and another person that we talked to later in a, in a Cubs Weekly podcast interview. But I think to, to hear all of that and then, I mean, my favorite story was one I'd heard a little bit about before from Fontenot and then heard more from, from his own words uh, was Lou Pinella mistaking the bullpen catcher for Fontenot. Yeah. Saw the bullpen catcher coming out of the shower. just said, hey, great game, kid. And it was like he, he thought he was Fontenot. And it was just like a very classic like Lou story. Yeah. And, uh, so it was funny hearing that from Fontenot's perspective. But, yeah, any of that, I mean, 07, 08 talked about why things uh, didn't play out the way that they wanted them to mm-hmm. in, in the playoffs and how great that team was and all of that. I think reminiscing on all of that was really, really cool from a guy who um, his name, like Fontenot, is, is like there's nobody else with that name. And, like, that itself rings some nostalgia bells with Cubs fans. But I think it's just cool to to get that perspective from one of the maybe lesser known guys of yeah. that team. And to your point, I mean, you think about those names, Derek Lee, Ryan Dempster, those kind of guys are just household names within Cubs fans, right? Yeah. If you're a Cubs fan, you know those. And that's the beauty of these interviews is getting to catch up with some of these guys. And we have plenty more rolling out. Darwin Barney's another one. Miguel Montero's another one. Ted mm-hmm. Lilly. We've got plenty of these interviews are, that are coming out. So make sure you're, you're downloading and subscribing the podcast so that you can get notifications when they come out. But that'll do it for this edition of the Cubs Weekly Podcast presented by Wintrust. And don't forget to download and subscribe to the pod on Spotify or Apple Podcasts and check us out in video form on the Marquee Sports Network app and YouTube. For Tony, I'm Andy. Thanks for listening.